Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for tuning in as always. I've got Magic Mike and the Rocket Man on standby catching up with this week's, I wouldn't call them hot topics, but just topics that have come in and out of our golfing chat. The guys are here waiting. Let's bring them in. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back to your podcast, the My Love of Golf podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Rocketman, how are you? That's better. <laughs> You're smiling <laughs> and laughing now. It cheers me up every time. Well, that's better. It cheers me up every time without <laughs> fail. That's, that's, that's right. That uh, Rocket might not stay with us the whole duration of tonight. He's, uh, he's a busy man. As he announced last week, he is on the move. Rocket on the move. Um, Australia yep. has recently launched a rocket into semi-outer space and we're <laughs> launching rocket from Victoria to Queensland soon. So he's got a fair bit going on. Um, so he might not stay the duration, but maybe we, maybe he will. I don't know. How are you, mate? You good? Oh, I'm good. I'm just here to add some comedic value, as always. I should have a button for a drum roll and a boom tish, but sorry, I don't. <laughs> I, think, I think I recorded over it with this. What's that one? <laughs> too early, too early for that. Uh, Magic. Oh, oh, is this, what are we, six months away? Well, the next one up. You know, yeah. We'll be the lead in, exactly right. The next major will be the Masters, and uh, our Lucas Herbert will be there. Um, Herbie's at du- Dubai, uh, DP World Championship. Uh, what's it called? What's the actual name of this week's DP? Is it the DP Tour? No, it's not the DP Tour. The DP Tour is what's happening next year. DP World Tour Championship. Yeah, the European yeah. Tour. To a final. There you go. Good luck, Lucas. Uh, Magic, how are you, mate? Sorry, mate. Your mic just went up and I'm assuming you have come back down again. I'm still here. Are you there? Yeah. yeah. Your, mic your, mic your mic's gone. Through Oof. the roof. Okay. Blood pressure. I, I, think you're, <laughs> I think you're back. I was excited. I am excited. So maybe I'll have to start talk a little slower, a little softer. Now and, uh, and slow it down a bit because I'm excited. I've raced home, busy day at uh, Drum and Golf, Franklin Street's leading Drum and Golf store. <laughs> it always gets a laugh that, you know, and they say, oh, is this the only one in the city? I said, I, can tell, I guarantee it's the biggest one in Franklin Street. And they, people look back and they go, oh, <laughs> it's they the only one, it. isn't it? That's right. You're a funny guy. They, they still think of the old, um, was it a titleless golf ball on the roof? The big the golf ball that used to be down the other in the old shop? Uh, I, th- I think it had a few iterations, uh, depending yeah. on who wanted to pay pay the, pay, pay the money to get the, the bird poo painted over. <laughs> but um, I know it was before my time. Yeah. Uh, Magic, how are you? I'd, actually, funnily enough, I'll, I'll tell um, – I had a visitor today from one of the um, – I've got the PK hat on. Uh, of course, I've got a collection of PK hats there because um, I pay them for me to wear their hats. And uh, I had one of the members come in and say, oh, the guy that played with him, Will Lee. <laughs> <laughs> The jokes, the joke lives. It's I real. It. It's alive. 
<laughs> he got That's the so he, he got the rolling funny gag. Yes, of course I did play with me Mule and he finished pretty well in last week's European tour. He's on fire, the young man. He's getting a lot of coverage, a lot of PR. I can see I saw him on the Hero World Challenge with uh Iona Steven uh at uh, Top Golf uh, Dubai. So good luck good luck this week, Minwoo as well. Magic there's, a t- there's a t shirt in that, I reckon. One with your face on it. And it's like I played with Minwoo. <laughs> There's probably a few T-shirts that we could uh, make ourselves laugh. I'm not sure if anyone else is laughing, but someone someone does laugh at that rolling gag. So thank you very much, uh, Magic. How are you? I'm excellent, thanks. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. As a, well, Rocket's leaving early, and I just hope it's not because Matt Mollica dropped in some very nice homemade biscuits, and I don't I don't want to think that he's offended, and that's why he's shooting through. Biscuit wars are on. <laughs> biscuit wars. <laughs> The lengths that people go to to try and get shortbreads, you know, it's unbelievable. You should have seen my wife's face. My wife got back from Pilates and here's me. And she walks into the kitchen. <laughs> and Cookie sees monster. This container with cookies. And she's like, Mike didn't make those. Where on earth did they come from? How, how, said, many, oh. how many were left when, they, when she came in? No, I'd only eaten one when she came in. Okay. So Matt was nice enough to drop, drop off half a dozen. And uh, one was gone. I had to try one straight away. Matt was very um, honest. He said they're good by themselves, but they're great with a cup of coffee. And I'd already had a couple of coffee, so I just had one. And then um, the wife and I had one later that evening, I think, with a cup of tea. And then, yeah, there's no way they made it through the next day. I, they were all gone. Like you said, Rocket, it's crumbs going everywhere and my face just, just chomping into these biscuits. You know, <laughs> you know when you're on an Aussie, an honest Aussie golf podcast that doesn't have the influence of brewing companies and betting and whatever else when we're talking about good, wholesome home cooking from Nonna Molica, That's it. Ma Rocket, and the topic of the – we should be sitting here actually eating them and, and, and testing them. Um, Matt was pretty proud of uh, – They were very good. His, crea- were, his creation. Were, the, the oh, yeah, he, already, he already sent me photos and threw out a challenge. They <laughs> <laughs> were actually – I expected them because the, the ones that my Nonna would make, they were a little bit more um, – harder these were quite nice and quite soft and fluffy and they had a, as soon as he brought the bag i could smell us there's lemon in this you see there's a little bit of lemon zest and i was like they're very good they were very good look no offense to my rocket of course if she wants to send in some more for me to try just to see them side by side we can look after that as well again i still think the lemon that's just that all that was is the fragrance of matt's tears realizing <laughs> he's not going to get his lips around some shortbreads look I just want to give a shout out to the official shortbread sponsor of this podcast, and that is Mar Rocket down there in Port Arthur, Tasmania, making the traditional Mar Rocket generation after generation, founded in Scotland recipe. I'm 150 years old, that sucker, that recipe. You're not going to get this guy past the uh, Scottish shortbread. So, Matt Mollica, look, I'll, I'll take them. Uh, we'll try them. But it's gonna. I don't think that it's gonna sway me. But you know, you know where to drop them in, Matt. So um, <clears throat> you know, drop them into Mike first by all means. You know, this could be, an, you know, the Italian biscuit versus the Scottish biscuit. No, anyway, I'm sure people, if you haven't tuned in by now, <laughs> um, is this is this our version of like, um, SG, SGL versus PGA Tour? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There's there's Saudi money somewhere. Uh, We're paying in biscuits. <laughs> SGL PGL. For some point, and maybe just because I'm naive and didn't research enough, but I thought they were sort of similarly intertwined, but of course they're not. 
PGL. What's what's the story there, uh, Mike? What's going on? Uh, I had my update from PGL from the No Laying Up guys today. They released a, an extensive two and a half hour podcast with the um, the man behind it. Um, it's a bit different to what I thought. Uh, I'm not going to remotely do it justice if I give an overview. It's a little bit of what people think around a, a bit of a, and a Formula One vibe, but at the same time, it's not so much about the them making the money. It's about, you know, I, I'm going to say the, 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 the phrase that Rocket loves. It really probably is a little bit more about growing the game. And um, yes, they're going to re- reward the top guys, but one of the big things that I took out of it that was really interesting was because my world is built around every day is around strategy and building plans for the future and the way my business works. And the way that he talked about it was the strategies that they're looking at around 2030s. Like we need to be talking now about what we're doing then. Like we can't be just ad hoc. It just doesn't work that way. And one of the things that he talked about was sponsorship. And he said, right now, any given week, you could be a sponsor of a PGA tour event and it costs you, you know, $12 million, whatever it is. Now, your major competitor could quite easily be a major sponsor of a PGA Tour event three weeks later, and there's nothing stopping that. There's also the problem that you might put the money up at the start of the year and you might not actually get anybody play because you just don't know who's going to be there. And so some of the things that um, they, they're looking to, to implement as a part of this, if it gets off the ground, is no, you'll, there'll be rules around who can sponsor and a competitor can't cut you off like that. And effectively... It'll be, a, I think it's an 18 tournament season, but everyone's playing. So the, the, the top, whatever it is, you know, 60 players in the world, 55 players in the world, they will be there for every one of those 18 events. So you'll never get an event where, you know, your top ranked player is number 25 in the world and um, you've got a handful in the 30s. It's going to be, no, no, these are the top X amount of players in the world and they'll be there for every event. Some of that stuff was really interesting. Um, and it's got some really good um, thought behind it, but then there's pieces that I that I sort of heard that didn't really resonate. Um, you know, team colours and names on the backs of jerseys, a bit like one day cricket. I, I don't know. I don't don't get a feel for that. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I'd say, I'd tell people that anyone who wants to sort of get a handle on it, listen to that. It was it was, it was quite quite interesting. Uh, they'll never get anything perfect with a with a any sort of tool. There's going to be a trade off or a compromise somewhere. Yeah, the one day, <laughs> the names on the jumpers and stuff like that. Just that's a bit, that's a bit silly. The, yeah. the players will have none of it. No, the, I think he, he mentioned it around uh, the context of, you know, standing three hundred yards down the fairway, looking back at the tee. I wouldn't have a clue who's teeing off, but if it's in the colours, and I know that that back group's got this person in it, or when they're coming forward, I can tell. So that that was a, the way to recognise. But yeah, not sure. We all thought the great Kerry Packer was uh, nuts when uh, he launched uh, World Series cricket and you know pink uniforms for the West Indians and so on and so forth. Uh, it grew some legs. Yeah. Yeah, but also you've got to put it in the context of they were, you've got a lot of players that were basically working, that were playing for peanuts, yeah. putting, on this, putting on this game and it wasn't really sort of being shown in its true light. Kerry Packer being a sport fan, just very innovative. And then, um, oh, I can't remember the guy that also helped with the concept as well. Um, I'm actually going to want to go back and watch that Channel 9 series Packer with uh, yeah. Lockie Hume. That was good. Uh, so that, you know, so, so they changed the game because they turned it from being a, you know, still just an amateur sport into professional sport. We've got PGL and stuff. It's already a professional sport. So really it, 
you know, and this is the thing I can still not get my head around is it's still that the 1% of the 1% with their snouts in the trough. And it's like, what, 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 what are we, the fans get out of this? And this is, this is what it all comes. This is where it all comes from. Well, it's two parts. It comes from, you've got a rumbling around all these other players and, you know, I rattled off all my stats the other week around other professional sporting codes. They're trying to make more money at the top. But the thing is, though, their life cycle, when you're, when you're a top-line player, your ability to earn is far outweighs anyone else. You know, there's some players on tour that, uh, yes, they might have some million-dollar seasons, but, you know, they might only have a short window and, and they're toiling away for the rest of their life or waiting to get onto the Champions Tour for their retirement fund. Um, you know, I don't see what it's in, in, it, in it for the fans, right? That's the other thing. Kerry Packer was all about this, you know, what's he... He wants to put something on TV that's going to get eyeballs. Sure, it helped him, but it also helped... If you think about it, it transformed the game. Well, it literally transformed the game. And I can't think of how PGA, PGL, SGL is going to transform any of the game. How's it going to, how's it going to actually make it grow? Yeah. He, like, does talk, he does talk a bit about it. One of the things around the TV, which was good, was it was like, this is the block and it's going to be a shotgun start. So everyone's on at the same time. So we can watch everyone in that period and things like that, that were just, a, you know, just little tweaks on what we get now. I mean, right now, if you want to watch the, even the Euro tour, right? You can only see the back nine or not. Well, either the back nine on a Sunday or the, the second half of the field makes it tough. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to take in. Yeah, I, I still think that where the where the players don't do them any do themselves any favors is is their uh, I'm going to probably butcher this big word reticence to um, to be more engaging on you know they're worried about the hot mics and stuff like that. And I still think that's that actually probably needs to be on the on the broadcaster and the PGA tour to probably have some delays in there so they can protect the players. And I still think if they got more caddy player conversational stuff, that's the stuff that yeah. the golf nerds want. They want to see that. What, what are they talking about? You know, they're talking over a shot. Like for example, you know, a Matt, oh, one of my more favorite ones, right? If you, you hear bones retell the story of, um, the shot that Mickelson hit on 13, imagine if the mic was like right up close and they could yep. capture that. Yep. That would be, that'd be fascinating stuff. Like you said, they record it live as he's hit it and he's walking, but cut back to the video and the audio from a, from whatever it is. And yeah, go it. back so and play something, it. Not, they can cut it out whatever you like. Yeah. It's easy yeah. enough to do. But them talking through club selection, what's the wind doing, processes. I know we're not the biggest Bryson fans, but I would be interested to see some of the jargon that he runs through over any given stock shot. It'd be ridiculous, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. It would give the commentators something different to talk about too, rather than some of the, you know, okay, there's always some quality commentary, but there's some dribble that comes out as well. Yeah. So it would give them something different. But, yeah, when you think about it, it is probably one of the only televised sports that doesn't have you know, player uh, or, you know, referee, umpire, you know, act, voice yeah. activation, you know, like every sport has some level of on-ground audio uh, to support the, you know, telling the story. And, and, and golf is the only one that really doesn't have uh, mm. that in that level of depth. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, like if I go NFL, right? I'm an NFL nut, right? So in the middle of NFL season, um, so one of the things NFL Network do is they have um, um, sounds of the game. So every week there's an episode and they've got certain players mic'd up during the games and then the, you go back and actually watch that. It's Sure, it's not the same as, you know, in the moment, but it's actually really, really, some of it's actually really um, compelling um, TV to watch. 30 minutes. Yeah. And it's just another thing that where you go, this is where this is why I get sucked into this game is because they just do a really good job of packaging their content. Yeah. And actually I completely forgot and I haven't I haven't watched it yet. So obviously my team played uh, Monday night football and there's this little thing that's pivoted off that. So they actually have um Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, his brother, who are two of the most underrated funny dudes on the planet. And they basically just two brothers sitting on a couch watching the game, talking about stuff, and then they'll talk about the game and they're quite they're quite intelligent when it comes to it. And then they'll have a particular guest and uh, and it was uh, apparently Phil Mickelson was on for like half an hour um, um, the other night. So I'm looking forward I, to watching I, I that. I haven't seen any of it, but I did see some people talking about it. Yeah, but I wasn't sure what it was. So that makes more sense now. Yeah. yeah Have Phil, Phil, Phil would be fantastic in the... Uh, oh, he's already, he already hosed Faldo the other year. Yes. In in the uh, in the, in the um, commentary box. In the commentary box. Yeah. Okay, um, Mike. How did we go on our tips last week? Did did we have any joy? Uh, number one, who was right there at the the pointy end was Matthew Wolf. Um, didn't get it done. Jason Kograk was the man. Um, he came home came home strong. So he he basically finished uh, with the best round final round. Um, came over top of him with a five under and one by two. Um, Scotty Scheffler had been there. He wasn't in the picks, but he's sort of been doing quite well the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, it was a bit disappointing. I thought I thought Matthew Wolf might be starting to run away with the end of the third round. I think it was 17th holes, a drivable par four. He could easily get there. Uh, he laid up. So the hole was had a water carry through second shot, unless you take the driver, which he could clear. He laid up with a eight iron off the tee and then had a wedge in. That's how short the hole was over the water. Mm. I think he clubbed down into the wind and just tried to hit it a bit easier. You know rinsed what? it, didn't he, he? Yeah, he rinsed it. He rinsed it, gave up a double, went from one shot leader to one shot back to Scotty Scheffler and then finished up 18. And yeah, that, that kind of just put him on the back foot and just couldn't catch him on the Sunday. We did have... Um, did have the first round leader pick of um, Russell Henley. He was about 67 to 1, which was good, um, but it splits four ways when you get a tie. So it still still makes money, but um, yeah, it was a, um, it wasn't a bad week, but yeah, it could have been a lot better if Matthew Wolf had come home. Now, what about over in uh, the Golf in Dubai Championship? We didn't, uh, we didn't figure there either. Now, well, they well, I think we all liked Minwoo. It had already started by the time we started talking last week. Yeah. Um, and Minwoo went really well. He did. Uh, I know you were watching on the Sunday night, um, Ross. I I was watching until about the 16th, I want to say, when Minwoo made a par. He missed the birdie putt that he should never have been having after his rules um, hiccup. So, so what happens, just remind us what happened there. 
So he hit a tee ball and they were looking for it and couldn't find it. And basically they found it half a second after the, the um, rules official called time on the three minutes. And they basically talked the rules official into saying, no, no, you're wrong. He found it in time. And somehow he reversed his call and gave it to him. Then he got relief that he shouldn't have got. And he actually had an okay shot into a green and hits it from there to the green and had about eight feet for birdie. So he went from lost ball, you're heading back to the, to the tee box, three off the tee, to an eight foot birdie putt. And he just pushed it a smidge. So was Slugger was Slugger sneaking around the <laughs> around the sand dunes. Well, I got the text message from Cheese. Cheese was watching it. He's like, "Are you watching this?" And I flicked it over straight away. He's like, "I can't believe what's happening here." Um, Did they go yeah, back he, to the? Uh, you know, I was probably falling asleep on the couch by this stage. Um, Did they go back to and get any? Tall truck footage or anything like that? No, no, that's what I said. That's the first thing I said to Cheese. I, I said, look, surely from here, they just pull up the footage and say, right, this is when you got to the area. That's when your three-minute starts. This is when the ball was found. That was three minutes and five seconds. Um, it didn't make big, big news, but it was it was touch and go. But, yeah, in a final round when he was, at that point, I want to say two off the lead, um, yeah, it was interesting. It would have been disappointing because... You know, I think if he wins, it would have been a massive story. Mm. Um, and he probably, he probably, it was so touch and go that it's probably almost better that he didn't win because it, it, you don't want that on him that, to think that someone downplaying his efforts because he's been playing super golf. I think he's a massive chance to win this week. I think he's massively underrated to win the whole lot this week. He is backing it up week in, week out with top level performances, you know, one or obviously a Rolex event this year, and he just continues to go from strength to strength, and, and isn't having those fall away rounds that he was having mm. previously. Okay, he's still having a few ordinary holes here and there, but uh, you know he's he's his bounce back ability. If there is such a term in your um, stats, there, Mike, bounce back ability. If there isn't, you can have that one. Um, <laughs> he, he's he's bouncing back very well. So good luck, Minwoo. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, this week, this DP World uh, Tour Championship. It's, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I like where they play. Um, courses, the course is pretty good. I like that 18th hole. I'll always remember Henrik Stenson uh, when he won there and hit that five foot into about three feet. I'll never forget that, so I always remember that course for that. But um, it's going to be great. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, but, yeah, you know I was watching because I sent you a message about uh, Francesco Laporta. The uh, door. What do, no, what do you call him? The door. Why do you call him the door? Italian. The, um, oh, the porter. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, door. sorry. No, parlo italiano. Sorry. Scusa. But he's been sort of popping up in and around the top, upper upper ends of the fields for a little while. And there's something about that uh, young man that catches my eye. I don't know whether if it's, yep. his, it's his swing or, or his swagger. I'm not sure. But obviously he's playing decent golf because, you know, going back to when Herbie won it in Ireland, he was up there and, yeah, you know, he 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 was the one that had those series of uh, chip ins and up and downs from sort of nowhere to, you know, get into contention back then. And uh, anyway, I, I said, oh, and I was thinking about it. I thought, I'm going to talk about Laporta. I'm going to talk about Laporta. And obviously, we went off script, the off script, off script version, and uh, never mentioned Laporta. And that's why I sent the message going, Laporta, I fancy him, but uh, he could he could win at some stage. Well, I've looked. I've just looked up as as you've said it. So since September. 
fourth, sixth cut, 39 cut, seventh and second. That's pretty good golf. That's mm. one, two, three, four top tens in his last, what, six starts, seven starts. There you go, listeners, one to watch. If you haven't jumped onto the uh, Francesco Laporta train, uh, jump on that one. Uh, what else we got? Um, uh, my top Scott. It's just embarrassing. I was nowhere. Uh, I um I liked uh, Grant Forrest, but no, no. Scott Jamison was the man. Scotty Jamison, captain of Melbourne City, uh, was the top Scott. Well, he was. Well done to Bob, you, Scott Jamison. Well, Bobby Mack wasn't far. You had Bobby Mack, didn't you? Oh, I, I, well, I think I would have I said if you replay, uh, it's like it's hard to go past Bobby Mack. He's got to bounce back at some stage, but you know, always kind of fancy Grant Forrest at the moment, and yeah. and Grant got off to a fly, but he's obviously he did. Yeah, he's, he's only shot minus twelve, so yeah. All credit to Grant for you know posting a, re- a reasonably strong score, but uh, Bobby Mack f- minus fifteen. But yeah, Scott Jamison, good to see Scott Jamison up there, the real Scott Jamison. How are you going when you you go and play in a European Tour event and shoot twelve under and you get six thousand pounds, six thousand euros? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. If someone wants to give me six six thousand euros, I'll take it. I won't shoot that score like at all. But yeah, it's a um, it's interesting. A once the the money tips in next year, the the the, the uh, prize money will be kicking back up again. You'd think, especially next week or this week, I should say. Okay, uh, what about this week? There's, it's uh, in America. What's the tournament called? It's, it's, uh, RSM Classic. RSM. Bit of Sea Island magic. That's it. Just Rock. get on the Sea Island boys. The Sea Island Mafia. Yeah, talk. that's it. Harris English. What's this, talk to us about Sea Island Rocket. Give us the lowdown for the listeners that don't know the Sea Island story. What's Talk to us through Sea Island. Uh, it's somewhere between South Carolina and Georgia, and it's called probably been built with Davis Love's own bare hands, and it's where a fair gaggle of um, the tour pros make it home. It's like the, the Southerners' Jup- Jupiter. Okay. That's it. That's it. It's, it's um, the, confederate, the confederate Jupiter. <laughs> it's halfway between Savannah and, and, and Jupiter. So it's on yeah. that coastline. And yeah, it's. So it's like, isn't it? Like Kiz, um, yeah, Harris Kiz, English. Kiz is in, um, yeah, he's in, he's in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, I bought up the list because I, I, I knew we'd talk about it. Um, I've jumped Grayson, on a few of the South Carolina boys already. Oh, I've, yeah. gone, I've gone early. Well, Grayson Sig's there. He won. I think he just got announced that tonight there's a rookie of the year on the Corn Ferry. Huh. Um, Jonathan Bird, Harris English, Joey Garber, Patton Kizaya. Oh, the, 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 the kids. Oh, the other kids. The other kids. I'm actually on that. I'm, on, I'm actually on him. Yep. Um, Zach Johnson, Brian Harmon, Matt Kucha, Davis Love third, Kevin Mitchell, yep. JT Poston, Andrew Novak, Hudson Swarford, Josh Teeter, Michael Thompson, all playing out of Sea Island. Uh, yeah, Saint Saint Simon's Island, where they're playing this week, like that's yeah. yeah. You wouldn't struggle to get a game on a Tuesday afternoon, I wouldn't think. There'd be a few blokes uh, floating around. Uh, GB and I, Justin Rose and Gray McDowell are playing. Um, well, that's GB in Northern Ireland, but uh, Seamus Powers in. Uh, who else have we got? Uh, that's uh, Olympi- Matty Wallace, the, Olymp- uh, the Olympic silver medalist, the Olympic silver medalist, 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 menace, menace, and medalist and uh, medalist. Yes. Uh, who else? But there's a few Aussies in there. Jason Day is uh, playing, and uh, Cam Smith's there. Matty Jones is there. Cam oh, Monsa- oh, Monsabo, just because I I had to. Is it? Is that? Is 126? Got to have a th- throw a couple of pennies. 
on that so, one? I was going to say throw a couple of whatever the the, <laughs> the, the, the currency is of, of his native land, but I can't think of what it is. I silver medals, that's what it is. That's, that's it. what the currency that's is. It's silver medals. Have you, have you invested on the Brontoslava boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> Bit of, each, bit of each way. It doesn't hurt. No, very good. Okay, good. No, you stick, look, Rocket, you stick to your guns. That's what I do know about you. Like the um, test pattern behind you in the when you see the video and you've got the test pattern there. I've just, I've just worked it out. I'm a bit slow off the ranks these days, but you've, the test pattern is, signifies your ongoing social media hiatus. Yeah. It's the, you know, <coughs> back in the day, for the younger listeners, when... I was a young boy and you fell asleep on the lounge, you'd wake up and the test pattern would be on. Now it's- the old open championship at like four in the morning and all of a sudden you wake up and all you hear is this <laughs> Actually I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this to my dad because I know he'll be listening if he's listened this far. It wasn't me falling asleep on the couch then it was him falling asleep on the couch and me getting up saying, Dad, go to bed and turning the test pattern off. Yeah. Um but you know, you'd wake up and you'd hear the Yeah. So that's and, and the and the TV. So we had the old TAC in the, in the old t- the wooden yeah. frame, and you'd have the you turn the channels with the, the with the dial, right? So sh- golf back then, Tassie's on Win TV. So oh, channel the, six, <laughs> two channels, two, which is ABC, yeah. and six. And that's it. You basically wear those two spots out. <laughs> Unbelievable. If 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 you are young and you you we no lost idea. you, <laughs> but before before you had to uh, turn turn a TV channel with a knob, uh, and if you had a rich TV, if you you know you had a wealthy TV, you'd go click click click, and you have one two three four five six. If you had one of Rocket's old school TVs, you know you would have to dial it in like a radio. Oh, no, they don't even know what a radio is anymore. Jeepers, weepers. Uh, there you go. But you and then what? if you and if you're really well off, you got the ones with the with the buttons in the row down the side, yeah, so you can just go. press those. You, so, you, know, um, you know, I like to talk a bit, a bit about Scotland and my times in Scotland, my trips and you know, my earliest trip to Scotland. You know what we had to do for the TV, and if any of them my uh, Scottish compatriots are listening, they will remember this. You know what we had to do in Scotland for TV? You'd have to drop money in the back of it. Oh, really? There was a money slot, and you had to go and put. 10 pence. I don't actually know how much it was, but you'd have to put money in the back for, and that was how they paid the, uh, the license. So you had, it was like a license and the TVs had a money slot in the back and you had to put money in the back of the TV. <laughs> I should have been doing, I should have had my own money slot every time oh, the grandfather wanted me to change the channel. That's it. Get a payment. Rodney, change the channel, son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Ben uh, Flavel um, from Adelaide, who I caught up with uh, St. Andrews Beach last week. He actually put another request in. Um, he's anointed Mike as the unofficial ambassador for King Island on mainland Melbourne. Uh, he's fascinated with the um, cheese to biscuit ratio. He followed up on that today. But he, he did. did also put a request in for a podcast in accent. He wants me, he wants me to do one in, in an entire... Oh, that's, that's fine. I was say, as long as I don't have to do one. An entire well, Scottish accent. I don't think I can do it. But uh, anyway, maybe one day we'll give that a go. Uh, anyway, back to the uh, point of order. Um, uh, bu- 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 Adam Scott's playing. He is. He's, a, he's another one who's a chance. Oh, great. We get to see his fantastic dress sense. The, the double plates. You think you go with the uh, Southern Brown again? Jeez. <laughs> Fair him. Oh. Like as if he's... Well, put it this way. Do you know what? It's probably, it's probably a deliberate thing. Takes, every, takes the focus away from his putting. I um I had a Facebook memory come up this week and it was 
from Aussie Masters when Tiger was here. I want to say 2009. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was wearing the... <laughs> yeah, that's not that long ago. He was wearing the, the baggy-ish pants and looked a lot younger and Stevie was there. And um, God, it was a different time. But yeah, Adam Scott's still wearing that kit now. So it's different. He's trying to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. you just you th thank God he wasn't wearing those ones during the Masters. Hey, yeah. Adam can wear what Adam wants. It's, it's, it's okay. He's still uh, The ladies will still love him. Exactly like right. Yeah. Uh, okay, who's your picks? Um, who are you going with, uh, Mike, at the uh, RSM Classic? Um, it's one of those weeks where I probably like a lot of guys at the top of the, the favourite end. So I try to only stick with, you know, three or four picks. Um, normally I pick five, but I've sort of got four that I'm looking around. Um, Cameron Smith's one of the four. Uh, Corey Connors, but I'm a little bit worried he hasn't played in a while, but he stacks up on every other stat. Oh, yeah, I'm on him. Russell Henley. And I don't love Scotty Scheffler, but his form is just impossible to knock. The only thing against him is last week he really should have won and he didn't win. And if he's not winning that and he and he nearly won the week before, eventually he's going to get to a point where he's got to walk through the door and do it or he's just going to tip off and then he's got to sort of spend a few months fighting back again, I think. So if he does it this week, great. If he doesn't, I don't know. I could see him finishing, you know, twentieth or thirtieth when he should really be easily top ten. Uh, you got a market on top non-American? Top non-American, yeah, I reckon we do. Who who do you like? More importantly, uh, it's a hard pick, Louis. Louis is a very good pick. The mattress, the mattress king. Yep. No, he um. He would definitely be right up there as as one person that a lot of people are picking. Okay. I'll find out. Uh, I can't hurt you. We can't go with the top Scott because there is only one. It's only Rusty Knox as the solo Scott. So good luck to you, Rusty. Hope you uh, fare well. Um, okay. Rocket, anything else for you on the, the RSM Classic? No, I'm on a few of the Sea Island Mafia dudes. Mafia. All right, well, let's have a little look at... Uh, so we, d we will... Thanks for staying with us this long. We, we do have one of the listener questions that we will get to from last week. Well, there was a couple of listener questions. We want to talk about in the back half of this uh, section some of the golf courses, public access golf courses that we think represent quality value, quality V value, value only, quality only. So we're going to talk about that for a wee bit. But let's just talk about the uh, Dubai... Sorry, Rocket, you... Yeah, okay. Rocket's, Rocket's given us the official two-minute countdown, so let's uh, be quick with that. Let's do bye. Okay. Um, Mike, where are we at? Give us the uh, lowdown on Dubai. Yeah, uh, look, it's it's uh, it's the big one, is it not? It's it's the, it's the one where yeah. everyone's coming back to try and take the money and run. Colin Colin's going, going for um, Colin's plan. Will Zalatoris is playing. Yep. Rory um, or the other Rory. Patrick Reed's playing. He must, I don't know, he must have got a couple of shipping containers over there via DP World, you know, because of all of his COVID problems. So he yep. probably wasn't able to fly. So they had to ship him over there in a few containers. Um, actually, this is the this is the uh, the site of the um, sand, uh, sand wedge uh, shovel gate. Was From it? memory? Oh, yeah. 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 Actually, I think it is. Uh, it was um, shovel gate. It was right around this time, yeah. Yeah, because it was a couple of weeks before the uh, President's Cup. Yep, yep. Mm. Yeah, that was. 
now that you're right there's there's everybody's there rory the other rory uh cole fitzpatrick answer sergio tommy fleetwood weisberger billy hose over there trying to maximize a couple of big wins uh tyrell paul casey minwoo everyone's playing billy hose probably trying to see if he can get a lifetime membership with the european tour well i don't know enough about the final how does it how do they do their how do they do these this race to dubai how does it work out how does how do you win i think they've got um i think they've classified like 20 particular events that that is their premier ones and if you're playing in those ones they go to points and it's just basically just wherever you finish and you get to the end of it and, <clears throat> and they're actually playing for there's no net yeah you know so she's she's off the stick yeah you know no handicap or anything like that no canadian foursomes or you know or half sets it's like she's mano a mano off the stick yeah and um i think based on where you finish then your total points yeah like dictates who who's who's going to take it out and this is this the last round is it not yeah am i going crazy yeah. it is. I, I, th- yeah. I, I don't know who is actually the leader i think i think i, I, I think colin colin's actually near the Col- top yeah cole's yeah. leading billy horshaw john rahm who's not playing uh tyrell minwoo maddie fitz that's the top six um yeah i i i honestly think i honestly think Minwoo is a massive chance to win. I don't know what he I, I, don't know, I should I should preface this by saying before anyone goes and sells their house and puts money on it because I think I know what I'm talking about. I've got no idea how this structure works, but I'm watching him playing very good golf. I'm watching guys come in to the market like Colin, who we know is an absolute freak show golfer sensational golfer the people start going well he, he's going to win because he's very very good and you know what he is but there's no reason why Minwoo can't do it no. there's absolutely none Rory the same Rory's Rory can play good golf but if you said to me right now who's playing better golf Fitzpatrick answer Sergio Fleetwood Weisberger Horschel Hatton Casey Minwoo Minwoo's got all of them covered yeah comfortably Oh, and Morikawa is actually probably a little bit more streaky than anything. He's like, he's either ice cold or he's just That's lava it. hot. And if he has a putting week, great. He'll, he'll win. We talked, you talked about that the other week. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Minwoo, I, I, I won't be shocked at all if he's, you know, right there come come the weekend or come late on Sunday. Did uh, did you see Paul Gow doing a bit of commentary on the European Tour last week? No, no he's been doing a little bit of, you know, like Radar Riley. Rocket, uh, Rocket's going to head out. Um, Rocket, thanks for joining us. Uh, Pleasure as always, gentlemen. See, see you over some of this. <laughs> we'll see you next week, Rocket. Have a good have a good week and uh, good luck with your um, Sea Island uh, Classic. Yeah. <laughs> the Sea Island Sailors are. Hopefully, hopefully it pays off. That's <laughs> it. All right, see you guys. See you next see week. You, mate. And then it was just the two of us. And it was two. Um, and Agao is doing a bit of commentary, a bit of you know Radar Riley style sort yep. of special comments. And he was he he was interviewing Padraig uh, Padraig Harrington, and Padraig had just you know had sixty seven, sixty seven, you know might, maybe yeah. sixty five and three sixty sevens, and yep. played really pretty well. Yep. But he needed to finish top five to make the top fifty in the points rankings here to qualify for this week, which was a 
true competitor, what he wanted to do. And Gary was like, oh, you know, you still a chance, uh, Padraig? And Padraig's just like rolling his eyes going, no, I've already come, I'm already out of it and it's not going to happen and, you know, it is what it is. And no, no, you still a chance, mate. And he was like, no. Righty. Anyway, thanks, he, mate. He, See ya. He, um, he, he, it was like he wasn't very happy, but anyway. I well, he, he was close. I think he was close to getting in. I think well, he had a, such a, he had a really yeah. good final round. It was like, um, no, he was close. He was close, yeah. but he, in his mind, he like, and he'd already dropped a couple away between, you know, finishing the round. You know, he sunk a yeah. great birdie putt in the last two, um, yeah, yeah, to have 67 and, you know, have a sniff. And then someone else had finished and bumped him a down one. And, yeah, okay, he was like, mate, you still a chance. You still a chance. And like, he was like, I'm not a chance. No, no. chance. No, your well, chance. He, no, no chance. See you it later. was um, Andy Sullivan because Andy Sullivan went like seven under in his last eight holes, something like that, and he needed a T four, maybe tied with three other people, and gets him in. And it was like there was one putt made right at the end. It might have been Laporta who made it that basically bumped him to the next spot down, and he didn't get in. So he was he was the, the next man out, I think, from memory. Hmm. Yeah, so I watched. I saw Gow. He's got his his new TV shows or the two new shows that are running on um, Foxtel. Um, but I didn't 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 see him on the um, coverage. Yeah, you know, he's doing the coverage. He's, well, you didn't see him. You didn't see him. He was just well, you just heard his voice. Yeah, but you, uh, you know, he's, the the shows have been going for a while. They're sort of on the loop now. The Foxtel sort of replay the Your Golf Show and uh, which has got a couple of segments in that brought to you by Drum Golf and. Um, Whatever it's called, teed up with Gowie or te- you know your golf yeah. team, you know, like so he's got Warney and uh, a couple of horse racing people and a few other rugby, yep. li- the the Burgess brothers and decent golfers too, by the way. Um, no, they're always good. If you've got Foxtel, you can uh, catch those those shows. You see Gowie, um, teeing it up and having some fun. Hmm. Okay, so you're going with Minwoo, are you? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm happy to take Minwoo. I think, um, yeah, he's versus the guys that people would say are the, the big top line players. The, his odds are much, much better. I happily bet him each way and just hopefully he can get that top five that I think he can. Not a Minwoo v Herbie showdown at the end there? What, what, are, we, what are your thoughts on uh, the Herbie's, Herbie? Yeah, well, Herbie certainly can can give it a shake this week as well. I just don't know how it stacks up to, to win the overall. Um, but certainly Herbie's playing good enough yeah. golf to... Herbie to was it. like 20th, I think, so yeah, for the overall. So, yeah, Minwoo, Minwoo could win the overall and then there's the event, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's a few Aussies playing. Herbie, Scrivo, um, Minwoo. Minwoo, yeah. I think they're the only ones. Uh, yeah. That's a good feel. I'll, I'll, as I say, I enjoy watching this event. I love it. But um, mm. I'll be staying up late again. I'll be definitely watching a bit of it for sure. Now, let's uh, keep rolling on. Um, before we you get... got more questions. Oh, well, we didn't really cover off... Um, All of them. All of them. Uh, there was one in particular uh, from Pultz and also uh, the Ginger Ninja, uh, Daniel Crawford, who is a country boy. He's up there in uh, Stall region, sort of Ballarat, Stall, sort of yep. northwestern Victoria. And, uh, you know, very, very good golfer. Loves to get around and play a bit of golf, but doesn't obviously get down to Melbourne as much as he's like. And he said, you know, what are your thoughts on some of the best value courses for people visiting Melbourne uh, they might want to play, and I'm going to assume, some public access golfers, so some golf that you can get access to. We talked recently about uh, Sandy Links, mm-hmm. um, very good, and we talked about its significance in you know the golf landscape of Melbourne and, and what yeah. that offers in terms of that sandbelt experience, being right opposite Melbourne, being in the heart of the sandbelt, but being public access. So there's probably a few others. I've had the pleasure of playing 
a couple of my personal um, Mornington Peninsula favourites fairly recently, like this week, last week. Um, Mike, you're the public golf uh, expert being, you know, you're, you're not a traditional member of a golf club. You know, you're, no. you're a member of a great golf club, the, the Great Men of Golf Association, yep. GMGA. <laughs> the GMGA, yeah. Uh, which travels around all of Victoria playing great golf. So you've had more experience on a lot of the public access courses. But, but before we do that, I've got, I've got some post. I've got a, it's Roscoe's mailbag. Oh, I know what that is. I can tell what that is. Now, uh, it's not a podcast if we don't give a shout-out to our friends. And if you're watching the video, you can see me un, unwrap this. And, and here we go. It's the, it. uh, a couple of fresh copies of The Link's Diary, which I – purchased the other week um the one that i really wanted was volume number three uh some great photography in there mm. i'm not a great reader but i get it for those lovely lovely pictures great of photos. Gra- graham mccubbin uh g cub over there one of the quartet of the boys who have you know put this together the link story you can see it there, number three can't wait i literally just pulled it out of the the international cardboard packaging there uh, but the also the other thing that I did get, which you still can get, is um, I got the full volume of number one. Now, here is uh, here is my original number one here. Two number ones. Why have you got two number ones? Well, this was the pre. Uh, what do you call it when there's a pre edition? I'm not sure. The you know, it, I don't know. it was the first one that they made before yeah. they put the full. So they went back and made this test case, and everyone bought that, and that was the proof of concept that people are going to yeah. love. You know, reading about the Scottish uh, links. And then they went and put some more content in and re-released number one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so this one's got a little bit more juice in it than this one, but this yeah, one's right. very this one's very special because they made. Uh, and I've spoken about this when I spoke with Jamie Darling, who is one of the other you know directors of Link's Diary. Uh, they made a limited edition of a hundred, and I didn't realise. But Jamie said, "I'll send you one, Ross, and you know you can have a look." And it wasn't until I was talking to him on that episode with. Jamie Darling, um, yeah, maybe 30 or 40 episodes ago, but it was yeah. the most recent one because he'd been on twice. Yeah. They looked at the back and he said, oh, we made 100. And I was looking at the back here and looking at the pictures and right at the back there, which, you know, you can barely see on the video there, Yeah, it's got the limited edition. They're all numbered. And, Are and he, they? Yeah. You know what he sent me? What? Number one. Hey. This is this this one here is number one of 100 of the original print run of the original Link Story. So, wow. Uh those guys and this magazine will always have a very special place in my heart. Uh, but now I've obviously gone back and got the, other one. the full number one. Uh, I don't know. I've got no idea which one I have. Number two, right there. And uh, if you've just got the latest one, that's number number three. I've got a one, two, and a three, yeah, well, but then. I don't know which number one I've got. Okay. Well, I think you can... I would- Oh, maybe we can get together with a couple of uh, Matt Mollica's biscottis and have a little cup of tea and a biscotti <laughs> and compare number ones. That's it. Magazines, that is. Um, uh, <laughs> so just thank you to the boys. Um, I did pay for these. It's not a paid uh, – I bought these no. yeah, and shipped them across and the shipping was really quick. I only bought them a couple of weeks ago and they're here already. And not only is it quick shipping, it's reasonable price shipping and it's very securely shipped. Even when it turned up the other day, that – third edition i said to the missus have a look at this this is really really good shipping for a magazine i'm not sure if jamie jamie darling is still hand packing all of these but uh he was at one stage in in his lounge room there but uh no it's beautiful it's the same same sort of thing as um golfer's journal i got my latest golfer's journal the other week they're just sitting there 
all there, number one yep. through to 15 or something. Uh, Craft Golf have got, I think I'm missing number three and number five. And uh, Will down in Tassie, who runs Craft Golf, who is the representative, Australian representative. You can get uh, the Golfers Journal if you're not a subscriber. You can get them off Will at Craft Golf, as you can get some No Laying Up merchandise if you're an NLU fan. Uh, you can get it off Will once again. Not a, that's not a that's not a paid advertisement. Will's just a great friend, and um, he's a golfers journal guy. So there you go. That was it. No, and and Will's been great for me because I um I had a couple of things that I wanted from the NLU site a while back, and he um had them added on to his first uh, shipment over. So he did me a favour there, which was really good. Pretty big coup to get uh, access to the NLU uh, merch distribution here in Australia. Was great yeah. Work. I think a lot of people want that sort of stuff. I mean, I know the random golf guys, random golf club goes through the birds of condor guys. Birds of condor guys. I, think, I shouldn't yeah. say which I'm wearing their top right now. I should say are. also paid, not uh, not sponsored. Um, I love the birds of condor stuff, but yeah, they bring theirs in. So just to, just to have that access to it makes it so much better for, for people here because shipping is just exorbitant. Um, while we're giving a few shout outs, uh, you can look. I know you're sitting there looking at my uh, wonderful top going, wow, that's a really nice top, Ross. Um, where did you get that? Well, of course, of course, I got a drum of golf. Yeah. Um, but it, it is from the, the Under Armour range and it sort of leads into what we're talking about with public access golf. So yesterday, Under Armour, Walkinshaw Sports more so, um, held a golf event, you know, just to welcome some of their partners back to golf, you know, appreciating the fact that we've been locked up and they wanted to get us together just to treat us to a round of golf. So there was... Myself and a handful of Walkinshaw Under Armour's golf partners down there, some of my other colleagues from the other drummer golf stores in, in Melbourne, had a round of golf at the Dunes. So I just wanted to say uh, thank you to Walkinshaw Sports for hosting us down there. It was great to see the Dunes again. Um, and uh, I'd never really, you know, can only, you can only wear so much gear. Um, I do buy it and pay for my gear. Um, so I bought some Under Armour gear because I wanted to do the right thing and wear an Under Armour shirt and pants and shirt and top to the Under Armour event. And uh, it's great gear. Um, so thank you. I had the opportunity to play with Dylan Sheil. Yep. Great young man from the Essendon Bombers. And uh, Rocket and would have been happy. Rocket, I should have told Rocket. I have seen it. He's not on socials. That's what happened. I was going to get Dylan to you know make a little video and post it for Rocket. Yeah, just to give him a bit of a rev up, but yeah. no point. Not, not, not watching no. anyway. No. Um, and Jeremy Gleeson, who's just finished with the Bombers after nine years in the system, he's great young, two great young men. But I've got to say, John Dyer from Air Adventure. Air Adventure, yeah. Very happy that we understand what the, the value and the importance of the Pilatus PC-12 to the uh, golf tourism <laughs> industry of Australia. Was very, do. <laughs> was very impressed that we uh, know... When it's coming down over the Bamboogle Lost Farm yep. that we can pick out the Pilatus PC-12 on approach, yep. uh, he was very impressed that uh, I was educating the golfers of uh, Australia <laughs> about the value of the Pilatus PC-12. Of course, it goes over the weather, not through the weather, never delayed it because it's pressurised, it goes up there with the big ones. But it was great to meet, um, I'd never met John Dyer, it was great to meet him and he's a cracking fella. You know what he calls his dog? You know what his dog's name is? No. He said... I name a dog after this name because I've never met anyone who's a bad bloke with this name. I don't know. Ross? His dog's name's Roscoe. Really? Yeah. He called me Roscoe yeah. all day. I said, no one calls me Roscoe. Like, everyone calls me Ross. But, you know, other than, you know, call myself Roscoe on here. Yeah. And just because he called his dog Roscoe, he called me Roscoe. That was quite, it was quite nice. <laughs> Beautiful dog. Um, g'day, John. 
nice to meet you. Good Hamilton boy. Um, great business, Air Adventure. Once again, not sponsored. We've never travelled down there with Air Adventure. I told him that um, Mike's only ever gone down there with the competition uh, and he hasn't fully appreciated the value of going over the weather, not through the weather. But anyway, we'll get down Always there. Always under the clouds. Yeah. Would anyone be interested in a mile of a golf barn boogle trip? Where, where should we go? Cape Wickham and do the um, the, the cheese slash golf tour? Or well, should I'm, we uh, should we go to Barn Boogle? I'm, de- I'm debating about... I know we're just completely going off topic. Well, not really, because it is public access golf, and the number one, yeah, two, oh, and three—number one, two, and three of the public access the golf courses in Australia. Yeah, no, I'm debating about heading down at Christmas, just between Christmas and New Year, to King Island, which okay. is a bad time for most people. But um, I think I might. I just got to wait and figure it out in the next week or two. Well, that's great for you. You go on, yeah, you, know, you go and do your, your trip. But what about the mile of golf? You know, Pilatus PC twelve fly and fly out. Play some golf trip. You know. People are keen to do it. I'm, I'm, you never have to twist my arm to go and play good golf courses. Does anyone want to join us on that trip? You've got to let us know. Um, if you've listened to 50-odd minutes in, uh, let us know. And uh, we can we can look at putting a trip together. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm always up for that. Public golf in Melbourne. Well, I want to say um, short course, which we didn't get to see. Yeah, we didn't go back. That's, that's the reason. So are we doing are we doing King Island and Bamboo or we just do one or the other? Uh, I'm again. I have nothing else to do except for go to work, and so I can earn enough money to play golf. So I'm, okay. I'm always up for it. Okay. How long do we need? Yeah. Do, can uh, what I don't know is can they drop you off and you can stay for a couple of days and then stay at a couple of days? Can it be like a yeah. four or five day? Uh, you definitely can because yeah. when we take customers down, we fly. We've got two sites. One site is in Burnie, which is about an hour and a bit out of Barbougal, and then our other site's King Island. So we definitely do the jump from Melbourne to Burnie, Burnie to KI, KI to Melbourne. So it can be done. Okay. And I'm sure the Air Adventures guys do those tours as well. We'll, uh, look, we'll investigate. If you're keen, let us know. Okay. Public access golf in Melbourne for the Ginger Ninja and the Pults. Thoughts? Um, yeah, it's funny because when I, I thought about it, there's no wrong answer. So if you think about something that's good value and you said, like I think we were talking about it before, you know, St. Andrew's Beach. St. Andrew's Beach is ranked number, you know, 10 or 12 of all courses in Australia. Or Maybe, in higher. Australia. Maybe higher than that. No, no, I'm, I'm talking of including um, private. Uh, That'd be think- top top couple in um in public easily mm-hmm. um so if someone said it's 100 100 dollars to play it you'd be like well that's great value but i sort of like was trying to think of it in a way of um the first thing i probably go to is monetary value and i sort of say sandy sandy's sandy's whatever i said the other day 45 50 dollars is is good really good value for public courses in melbourne and it's close to town which is good and that for me is one of those things that you always have to weigh up um, if I was going to go and play golf tomorrow and someone said you can drive from my house down to the dunes, which I love to do, it's probably an hour 20 to get there. Mm. Um, so I've got to take that into account as well. But yeah, just for just for courses that you, you can't miss on the public road are the ones that most people play. You know, like we said, the dunes, St. Andrews Beach, Sandy, the other side of the bay, you've got 13th Beach, you've got Lonsdale. They're all exceptional opportunities. Probably the ones that I'd put outside of that that people don't play often but should um it, one of them is my background that's flinders mm-hmm. flinders is a course that not many people play i think midweek the the um 
I think the green fees are about $35. And the stretcher holes from, I want to say, four through about 12 or 13 with the views back over the water are un unreal. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely exceptional little course. Um, Kerr Lewis on the other side. Kerr Lewis is one that not many people play. Um, great value again. It'd be less... Be, you know, more than 50 bucks, I would think, to play. And it's a really, really nice little course and never gets too crazy. They've got the new driving ranges. Well, it's not probably not that new now, but they've got all the, the fancy driving range stuff that there now and they're getting a lot more people through. Um, yeah, so that'd be the two opposite sides of the world that I'd probably put on again that I'd say, you know, people are looking for somewhere a little bit different and put them in the rotation. You, we are blessed on either side of the peninsula, you know, over the Bellarine. Uh, you have to play uh, Lonsdale links. It's We've talked about it before. You've got mm. the template holes there. So if you haven't had the opportunity to yeah. play at a North Berwick and see a Biarritz green or a Redan or the road hole green, um, Ashley Mead's built that into the course there. You've got the coffin bunkers of, uh, is it Marion? Uh, with, um, Oh, the church pews. Church pews at uh, yeah. at Marion. Uh, uh, no, it's um, Oakmont. Oakmont. Sorry, Oakmont. I was um, going to say Oak Hill, but I knew it wasn't Oak Hill. Oakmont. Yeah. Sorry, they've got the church pew bunkers. Okay, yeah. it's it's all different, but it, they've got those features, and it does make that course a little bit uh, special. Square greens, you know, like yep. you've got to look at the square greens because if you look at them flat, you can't really see, but you get up to the edge of it. Uh, I think it might be the second or the third yep. that's down near the that uh, dam, or not the dam, it's a big lake, but oh, you know, yeah, back yeah, on yeah. the water, and that's yep. a square green. Now, why the fourth. Yeah. yeah, fourth, that's it. Uh, why are they square? Yeah. Because in Scotland, when these green these courses were built, uh, fences were straight lines, so they had to have fences around the greens, and, you know, you go to Broad and there still are fences around the greens. Yeah. Uh, the greens were square to for sheep fences, things like that. Um, so you've got to do that. 13th Beach is, is great, the beach course and the uh, creek course. So plenty of great golf over there. Over here in the peninsula, you know what? I think for me, St Andrews Beach is a standout. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's a dope course. Yep. It's got everything that's, you know, synonymous with, I think, dope, you know, from what I've read and what I've experienced at the Gunnamatta course there, uh, Renaissance Club over in Scotland, you know, generous off the tee, ask a lot of questions into the green, yep. little saucer reverse, upside down yep. saucer greens. Um, you've really got to be on your game, but it's fairly, fairly generous off the tee, so it's not too penal. You don't lose a lot of balls, but you've to score well, you've got to play great shots into the greens. But it's just on a great piece of land. I actually put the drone up there last week when I was there. It was yep. got some decent footage. Um, yeah, every time I get to the 16th, the par three on that course, I always look off to the left-hand side, and I'm assuming that's where this, the original second course was supposed to go. It is. And you just look at the land there, and you think that you can see that there, there could easily be another course there. That the, the the terrain just looks amazing. That's exactly where it is on the master plan, I believe. We were talking to yeah. Phil about that the other day, and you know, I think maybe one day there will be another course there. It should be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Was great. It was derelict for well, I, I, many, many moons ago when I sold beer for a living. I lived in Perth, and I. We used to play at Kennedy Bay in Perth. Well, I used to play a lot of golf in Perth, but I played a lot of golf at Kennedy Bay. And they had a sister course in Melbourne, which just opened, and it was um, St. Andrews Beach. And they were doing a deal where you could be a member and you could play between both of them. And I thought about it because I was spending a lot of time in Melbourne, a lot of time in Perth, and I'm Denard. And then 
went bankrupt. So this course in Melbourne that I'd heard so much about that I was really keen to go and play, well, it wasn't there anymore. So it was overgrown. I don't, I don't know. You probably remember, but I don't know how long it was there for. It was just sitting dormant. I think they did maintain it for, you know, just to keep it in some level of not playable condition, but just, you know, so the, the bones of the golf course were maintained. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was um, largely just dormant for a while. It was a number of years. Uh, I couldn't – I'm not sure if I was playing back then. Yeah. I joined Mornington, but, yeah, anyway. I remember, still remember the first time I played there. Couldn't believe it. 2000 and – I want to say 2005, yeah, four, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, Cape Shank, great course down there. It's part yeah. of the RACV conglomerate now and, you know, to Robert Trent Jones. So any time that you're playing a course that's got some level of, you know, known arc, golf architectural sort of – significance behind it you're always going to have a great golf experience so i'm going to tell you something about that course so i hadn't played cape shank in a million years because um yeah every time we get in we do we do the same thing as most but we go to we go to portsea or we go to the dunes or we go to st Andrews beach and one of the boys said let's go and play cape shank fantastic let's do it so we went and played at our gmga round there last year or two years ago and i know he's not listening so um daniel igo was the man and if anyone knows Daniel, you can remind him of this. I was doing the scores that day. So the cards were coming in and I was just double checking anyone who was in the top couple so that, you know, we weren't going to get any issues with anyone's cards. And this card came in and it was handed over by young Scott McGregor, who'd been scoring for Daniel that day. And he handed me the card and I looked at it and I shook my head and said, I said to myself, how is it we've been doing this for eight years and these guys still don't know how to score stable food? Like, it's just ridiculous that they're just putting their stroke score down. And then I looked at it and I'm looking at it again and I look up at Scott and Scott's got a smirk on his face. And then I realised it wasn't his stroke score. It was his Stableford score. He had 51 points. 51 points. <laughs> I, 51 points? I but you don't even have that in a four-ball best ball if you have... I couldn't... But it, was, it was unheard of. And he just... He's, I want, as much as no one listening to this is going to believe me, he's not a bandit. He's just a normal golfer. He just His normal scores are probably floating between, you know, like everybody else, 25 and 36. And he just had a day where everything went right. He drove a couple of greens. He's a big hitter. Mm. But, yeah, 51. There was no need for a count back, as you can probably imagine, because yeah. I don't think anyone got, anybody got within eight. Front nine's very gettable there at uh, RSCB. The back nine's very challenging. But, um, mm, yeah, it's always, is, yeah. always enjoyable. Uh, you've got uh, what else you got? You've got uh, Eagle Ridge down there, but the one we played yesterday, the Dunes, is probably the second favourite course. And then you've got the Moon and Lynx courses. There's got the Legend yep. and the Open course. The Open being the Peter Thompson course, and uh, the Legend course being the um, Parrot Ros- Roscoe Parrot course. Mm. Um, Johnny Parrot was one of the people putting the Under Armour uh, day on yesterday. So good day to John, great guy. That's uh, Ross's son. Yeah, the Mornington Peninsula sport for choice, and even some of the smaller public access courses like um, Mornington. Yeah, yep. it's a members course. You know, never hear a bad word about Mornington from me, and I think it's still very much an undiscovered gem uh, by a lot of people. I think it's tucked away in that little bit of land between Mount Eliza and Mornington, and still not a lot of people uh, realise that you can go and play it, and it's um, for the views alone sensational. You know, it's not a links course. You know, being that it is on the water and it's on a hill uh, and it's fairly slopey. The, it goes from the top of the hill and the slopes down towards the cliff. But the views, not that, that 
that just gives you an, a, a degree of undulation and interest. Uh, the they've got a master plan in play down there. It's great. Uh, a couple of new holes. There's a new hole being built, a new sixth. Um, so it's just a club that's evolving quite financially um, in a great position so they can do this master plan work, which a lot of courses can't do at the moment or haven't been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to stand on pretty much maybe 15 of the 18 tees and be able to see from Portsea to the city uh, and across to the Yuyangs, it's a pretty relaxing uh, place to play. Uh, 18 holes of golf, great value again. It might be 50 bucks for a round of golf. Don't quite be yep. on that. Um, but uh, it's great down there. Now, getting closer to the city, now I've not played heaps and heaps of golf. You know, Sandy Links, I've played there. Yep. Um, where else have we got closer to the city of Melbourne? Yeah, it's look, it's tricky. Um, playing closer to town's always difficult. Um, but at the same time, there's not many places in the world where you can have a course like, say, Albert Park. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not many, not many other cities in the world where for probably 30 bucks, 35 bucks, you can play 18 holes within five kilometers of the city any day of the week. It is fairly, no, no one's does it, it. It is fairly unique to be playing down the, you know, the second and the first and the second and the third and have the yeah. background the skyline, the skyline in, the, in the background, the Albert Park Lake, a four, you know, the one of the world's Formula One tracks. Ah, you definitely. Know, just to your left. When you think about it on that scale, it's it is a pretty unique. Uh, destination, Yarrabend or, or Albert Park? What do you prefer? Uh, Yarrabend. Yarrabend. Uh, since um, the guys took over there a few years back, the um, the course has, has gone from strength to strength. The, the facilities there are exceptional. The driving range and everything else is is, is really really good. Um, but the greens have probably been the one thing that have just gone through the roof. Yeah. Um, they're always good. Come summertime, they're quick. They're true. They're really, really good. You know, like you said, the bones of the course is still there. It hasn't changed. You know, the, the layout's pretty similar. They've flipped the nines. They've changed a few of the holes around from, you know, when I was a kid, the, the first was, a, was an ugly little par four that you then finished and then went and stood on the second tee because it was a blind shot over the trees and you'd end up with three groups, four groups standing on that second hole waiting. It was a bit silly, whereas now it flows, which is much, much better. Um, but the course is jam-packed every weekend. And you still go around in a good time, and the and it's in good nick. It'll be interesting to see because we're playing there this weekend. It'll be interesting to see how it goes after the rain we've had because mm. it is very close to the Yarra. Yeah. Um. So it does does hold a lot of water. Um. It'll be interesting to see how much of it's sort of gone away. If you are visiting Melbourne for golf, that is one thing. You know, on that those courses that are near the Yarra River, and there's a little belt of golf courses. Q Green Acres. Um, Ivanhoe's down there too. Ivanhoe, uh, Latrobe, Yarra Bend. Yep. Uh, some you will be able to get onto, some you can't. But you know, when there is a bit of rain, the water table rises. It's near the Yarrow, so obviously a, a lot of water runs through there. Mm. They've, you know, Q, for example, they've spent a lot of money on drainage, so it's playable all the time. But um, it's different to a sand, it's just different terrain to a sandbelt. So don't expect Melbourne sandbelt in that part of uh, Melbourne. Um, yeah, yeah, Ben. So when you say the guys that have now taken it over, who you know, I know who you're referring to, but yeah, you know, who's who's who are you talking about? No, I don't know all the. I don't know all of them. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know the owners. I don't know. I think Paul Sheen's involved. I think there's a Shio few and involved, Ogilvy yeah. and um, yeah. there's a few a handful of other people that are all you know fairly, not fairly, very astute very well golf known. golf minds, yeah. and um, you know have put uh, a lot of effort into making Yarrabend, you know probably the premier close to the city public access. It's not just a golf course. There's the mm. putt-putt. There's the driving range. 
the cafe and bar and that sort of thing. Yep. So, yeah, it really is a, a inner-city destination. And as you say, it's always pretty busy. Oh, uh, I, I went down there once. I talked Mrs. Magic Mike into coming down to the driving range. When exactly. I say that, I mean she watched me hit golf balls for half an hour um, and she hit a couple here and there. And um, under the proviso, we'd have a, a little mini golf at the end, which is great. And, you know, we went and had a mini golf and here's me um, in my golf shorts and polo shirt after hitting range balls for half an hour and walked in to get my colourful golf ball and my putter. Not my putter, the, the, the putter I give you when you play mini golf. And the, the lady behind the counter said, you are the best dressed mini golf player we have ever had. And, and I, I took that and I, and I went and beat the hell out of Mrs. Magic Mike at mini golf, which was good. Uh, the one time that I got uh, Mrs. My Love Golf to join me at the driving range, it was the M- MGA, which is... Once again, if you're visiting Melbourne, in and around uh, the sand belt, it's just at the back of Moorabbin Airport, which is just near Kingston Heath and, you know, uh, the capital. So it's fairly well located. Uh, Melbourne Golf Academy, great driving range. Uh, we had had a bit of a shopping trip to DFO. That's uh, her favourite uh, sand belt destination for shopping, <laughs> not for golf. And I said, can we just nip into the driving range? I've just got to, you know, knock a few uh, balls down the range. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, yeah. I said, I can just video my swing. Unlike me to ask someone to video my swing. Uh, she videoed my swing for all of three shots and one of those was a shank into the timber on the side. I was trying to hit stingers and I bloody shanked one into the uh, into the divider. She gave it away. She didn't know, she actually didn't know what had happened. She said, what was that? I said, no, don't worry. <laughs> no. no. I turned around and went cut. Uh, Ren Furley, uh yeah, what does that figure for you, Ranfurly? And if you look at out that way, and Sand uh, Sandhurst, yeah, Sandhurst Gardeners Run, and um, there's a lot of courses out that way. I haven't played as much. I played Ranfurly. I played them all mm. um, over the you know the last five or six years. Um, look, they're all good courses. They're probably just not on my destination because for me, from the northwest, if I'm sort of travelling, if I'm getting out to Ranfurly towards Cranbourne Way and those courses, you're going down. I'll go an extra half an hour down and play down down. Uh, down the peninsula. Yeah. The one that I, the, probably the only one we didn't talk about before was Portsea. Portsea's an exceptional course. It is. But the, it, it's another 20 minutes though, once you sort of get from the dunes down to the end of the freeway down to Portsea. So that's always a tricky one to just that little bit extra uh, on the trip, especially when you're sort of trying to get out of there on a Sunday afternoon, it makes it a bit, a bit hard travel wise. Good layout, great undulation. It's, mm. um, you know, typical you know, let's call it a peninsula course. It's old. It's an old school course. It's, it's had a bit of, um, you know, work over the years as they've changed the, you know, they built the new clubhouse and changed the, yeah. a couple of holes. But um, go and see Johnny Burberg's down there. Yeah, great man. He'll look, he'll look after you. Um, get out of Johnny, fellow PK member, but works down there and runs the place down at um, Portsea. But yeah, that's a good one to get onto. Uh, where else? Mm. Where else? Uh, look, the only other ones we sort of haven't really talked about is the ones that are probably the newer ones up in the north. So Growling Frog and Mandalay um, are the two that are up on the north, so up on the Hume, heading towards Sydney if you're driving out of Melbourne. So you go 40 minutes north, you turn right and you head off to Growling Frog, which is um, spray marsh designed, I yep. believe. Yep. And then probably if you don't get off and turn right, you head a little bit further up to the highway to, to Beveridge, you get to Mandalay, which is another new, newer course. Um it's been around for a few years now, but it is the newer ones. Um, and they're both they're both great little courses. That, you know, they offer something a bit different. I think um, uh, 
I played Growling Frog only a couple of weeks ago. It's always in you know pretty good condition. It, it gets very busy, so it can be a little bit slow. Um, but it was you know it's always good to be outside hitting golf balls. Um, and the other one that's out there that nobody ever would ever play, or not, not a lot of people ever head out to play, is probably the um, I can't think of any other island greens that we have here in Victoria. Hidden Valley. Hidden Valley. Hidden Valley with the island green 18th. It was like one of the original sort of resorts slash mm. the you know courses that had a residential estate around it. You know, yeah. I, I remember it when I first moved to Melbourne being built, and I thought, oh wow, golf course with horse uh, horses, yeah. houses around it. Uh, well, it did have horses. It yeah. was it was Robert Holmes Court's equestrian land, so it was like well, he owned a lot, and that that's what it turned into. Is it and and it's quite different. The houses are all that Spanish villa-y looking. Um, the houses. It is a an interesting place out there at um, Wallen, but um, never played. I haven't played there. In a, I haven't played there in a long time. Um, played it a few times when they first opened it. It was good. You know, it was just a, a normal sort of little little yep. country golf course. And then Craig Parry redid it a few years down the track. Um, made a few nice changes. Um, and there's some there's some good little holes there. The, the, the Island Green is the Island Green. It's a it's a little bit of a novelty. Um, probably not the funnest shot in the middle of winter with a bit of um, wind coming into you. Uh, you got a little bit. Of, it's one of those greens that you can't go too wide, but you can go a club long or a club short if you're aiming at the middle and, and you're going to be okay. But um, there'll be a few golf balls in that dam. I can tell you that there'll be more than a few. But um, there are some nice holes there. So as we wrap up a little bit of this sort of butcher's tour of uh, Melbourne, there's a few courses out in the eastern suburbs that we really haven't really spoke about. Morak, uh, Scotty Gardner, say good day to Scotty Gardner out at Morak, um, public access course out there, and then a little bit further further to the east. Uh, eastern, can you, can you get on to Eastern and Eastwood and those sorts of courses out there? Not sure about Eastern. I know um, that's Pulse's home Pulse's, course. Pulse's home course. Yeah. No, I've, I haven't played it. Um, I did play the old Eastern many, many, many years ago, yeah. but no, I haven't played the new one since they moved. Which has been they've been out there a long time now, but never played there. Uh, we've got Latrobe. Not sure if uh, Latrobe is public access as well as a members course there, but uh, Latrobe is a good course to get a mm-hmm. whack on. Uh, and as we come back over to the west of Melbourne. Of yep. course, there's a couple of biggies out there that get a bit of play. Probably yep. the big one that's probably, I would think, grown its, I guess, in popularity, uh, grown in um, its visibility in terms of marketing is uh, Mount Derrimut. Yeah, Mount Derrimut, uh It's the new Sunshine Golf Club. Mm-hmm. So the old one was on the other side of the freeway and they're built. It's a very open golf course. Um, it is long ish especially if the wind's up uh there's a few long holes especially on the back nine that are quite long um it's a good you know it's a very open course um big greens though on on a few of the holes so if you if you do want to make a score you're going to need to hit them pretty close um some good undulations between a few of the greens as well it is a course you could probably get a bit of a hold of the front nine um especially if you're hitting the ball reasonable off the tee you can you can do some damage on that front nine um it's not a bad course and then the the one that's just a little bit south of that is um sanctuary lakes so sanctuary lakes down in um point Point cook Cook. yeah great norman course it i was a little bit i guess scathing of it in its early days you know like off the fairway it was still very bare and the the rough hadn't grown in yeah you know like it it had the bones of a great course, but I played it somewhat recently, maybe uh, 
last uh, early early this year, mm-hmm. and um, I was quite impressed with the way that it had come on and the way that it shaped yep. up. You know, that rough had grown in, so you had proper rough. Yep. Now it wasn't clay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, know, you can tell it. Yeah. You, know, you can tell a Greg Norman course when you play one. Um, it's got some. You know, it reminds me of the vintage in the Hunter Valley a little bit, not so yep. much of the Greg Norman course down at the peninsula, but very much like the vintage in some respects. But yep. um, it's it's enjoyable out there at uh, Sanctuary Lakes. It is. But They've done some smart things there too, include out some trees and probably sped, sped up play a little bit. But like you said, it's, it's always the trickiest part. I think the first person that mentioned it to me when I told them where I lived was David Diaz in a pro-am one day told me that, oh, you live in a clay belt. So not the sand belt, it's the clay belt out our way. So oh, on, it, is, it, it is tricky when you have courses like, you know, we talked about Mount Derrimut and, and, and uh, Sanctuary Lakes because you, you're working with what you've got. Um, and, yeah, especially you get to uh, winter, you're going to get uh, some, some cluggy mud balls and in summertime you're going to get some balls that can jump and jump and jump once they hit because it can be pretty rock hard. Yeah. Dave Diaz is a name I haven't heard of for a while. Dave was like, I remember at the first ever Jack Newton Sub Junior Classic, which was a 36-hole event back in the day. Dave was on the Victorian team, came up to uh, Cessnock, and like he was one of the guns. Didn't win, but I remember seeing Dave Diaz up there, so he's, he's always stuck with me ever since. And obviously in Melbourne, uh, you know, he's still at Albert Park, I think, now. But, um, yep. you know, he's been – yeah, he won, won a – Event in the Australian Tour won the uh, Coolum Classic, I think. Yeah, what yeah. a big a big event. Uh, he did. It he was did. the Coolum there. Uh, Dave Diaz, there you go. There's an. He's uh he's he. I played with him two years in a row at the Eagle Ridge Pro Am, mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I met him, I knew who he was, and uh, I was a bit nervous. It was probably one of the first primes I'd ever played in, and we got to about the third hole, and I'd hit a drive um that wasn't a great drive it half clipped the branch you know 100 meters off the tee and probably got out to about 180 and he's hit one of his booming you know 270 300 meter drivers back then and he that we played with the second pro who'd done the same and the, the second am had put one out there as well and as we were sort of walking off the tee box he said did you you know are you happy for me to talk about you know some tips today i said 100 if you've got something that's going to help me play better he's like you know with with driving it, if you're going to sort of keep up, hit it out there, he goes, you should probably take the head cover off your driver before you hit it. <laughs> I was just sitting there going, I thought he was about to give me some sage advice here on how to, how to hit my drive better. He just was winding me up in a, in a, in a nice way. <laughs> oh, buddy, taking slightly your powder puffs. Buddy, David Diaz. I did get knocked off on the long drive yesterday at the, uh, the dunes. One oh, of, really? Yeah, one of the boys. One of the boys from Future Golf, Ali, was down there and uh, one of the other colleagues from Future Golf were there and I think maybe Justin pipped me on the long drive. I, I got one of my colleagues uh, in my same group, beat John from Air Adventure. He hit the low ball, the low runner. I hit the high one. Yep. Um, Dylan Shield did hit a one past me about 30. He's got biceps about the size of a Sharon football. But yep. he, he lost his first one to the right, so he hit a provisional and it was about 10, 10 or 15 past me, but mine was, the, mine was an original ball. The original. But I, I didn't win. Um, I was Which hole do they use? 18, 17, 16? Par five? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was on the back nine because yep. front nine. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, and I've got to finish on my first ever golfing experience in Melbourne, Royal Newport. First. I've, I've, I, look, I've played I've – played so many golf courses i've played all over the country i've played courses around the world 
backpack courses that probably the only course I've never played. You've never played Royal Newport. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's about five minutes from my house. For Two minutes. The first the ever golf course that I played in Victoria when moving down here in 1995. Uh, I was working at Suzuki Australia. The head office was in Hall Street, which is just at the end of uh, where Royal Newport is. And of course, it's not Royal Newport. What, what is it called? Is it just New Westgate? Westgate. That's it. Westgate, West- under, right under the bridge. So if you've driven across that big bridge in Melbourne, there's two big bridges. One's the Balti Bridge that takes you to the airport with the big sticks, and the other one's the Westgate Bridge, the one that goes up and over. Uh, it was Geelong. Yeah, it runs underneath that. The first hole is a par three, and then you walk under the bridge, and and away you go. Uh, that was the first ever golf course. It's actually quite cute. It's not the right word, but it it it's it's okay. You know, like I, I'm I don't mind going and playing. People think I'm a golf snob. You know, I wear a pinch of the Kingswood hat, and they think that oh, you're a snob. You're not going to come and play here. Oh, you wouldn't come and play with me because uh, I only play at this course. It's so far from the truth. You know, like I remember going to play a freeway golf course with. Yep. You know the Melbourne City boys, and I just loved it. You know, it doesn't, and I think more people are like that. You know, it's great to get onto these big courses of and course. play, and of course, you know. But I'm as happy hitting a golf ball at you know Royal Newport well, as I am anywhere. You know, like I, same I can in tell Scotland. You now. I can tell you now. There's one course that's on my list. It's probably the top of my list of courses that I want to play in Melbourne. Uh, when I say when you know, when I say not the top of my list, but it's one course that I am dying to play. And if I gave you 150 guesses, you would not get it right. There we go. Well, we did not know that you... No, were... no, no, no. That's not it. The one that I'm oh, going well, sorry, to play... Oh, right. The one that you... Is the one at the Laverton Air Force Base. Ah. Did you know there was a golf course there? I th- yeah, I think I did. I there's, think a, I... There's, a, there's a golf course there in, in, in Laverton. It's, it's, on the, it's on the Air Force Base. It's got security there. I've looked it up. You can play, but you need some sort of clearance and you've got to sign something. I'm going to go out there and play it one day. I'm sure it's it's not going to be anything to write home about, but I just think it'd be very interesting to go and play golf on the Air Force Base. Is it just off, like it's just off the side to the old runways and that sort of thing? It's, I think there, there used to be a runway there, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were flying in and out of there once upon a time. I think the runways are still there. We used to do some uh, motorcycle training. I think you could go there and you get go. your motorcycle license there and the runways are still there. They've got big cracks in them, but um, yeah, the Point Cook Air Force Base. There you go. There you go. I haven't played, haven't played there, haven't no. played, haven't played in Geelong, Geelong down there. Haven't played Lara. Haven't played Lara. I played in the old, the old Geelong golf course, um, something Valley, Barwon Valley. Mm. Um, I played there, and I've, um, so I went to Deakin Uni down there. So I played a lot of golf down that way. But again, most of the time, you'd play at Torquay, which is now RACV as well, and that's been changed around a little bit, and that's a great little course. Um, and I think most people that are travelling to Melbourne, if they want to go and play a course down there, they all go to Anglesey to see the kangaroos. Uh, let's go and play Royal Westgate uh, yeah, one I'm afternoon. Yep. You and I will go down to Royal Westgate and uh, we'll reconnect down there. Done. Uh, Ginger Ninja and uh, or Daniel and uh, Pultz, if that answers your question, that is a <laughs> whirlwind tour of 20 minutes of uh, most of the courses that we can recount off the top of our heads at, uh, late at night in Melbourne. It's it's a great place to play golf. There's plenty. There's there's golf here for everyone. If you are visiting from whatever part of the world, as we reopen our borders, uh, are we are we hit ninety percent of vaccinations rates so any day now. Mike? I think so. Yeah, something like that. So I'm uh, paying attention. Yeah, as we as we open up and people start travelling again, Melbourne's a great place to come and play golf. You can play at any level of golf. Some of the best in the world, and some of the uh, easiest courses in the world. Some of the easiest to get on. Some of the most affordable. It's all here for you. Um, once again. It's not brought to you by Visit Victoria, Visit Tasmania or anyone, but we just love our golf. Uh, Mike, 
great to catch up with you. Good to catch up. If anyone's got any more questions, send them in. And if you want to come on the inaugural My Love of Golf uh, trip to Barnboogle slash King Island, tell us. We'll uh, air adventure, Pilatus PC12. We're on. See you next time.